Welcome to the Stories in Our Roots podcast. I'm your host, Heather Murphy. In this podcast, we dive deep into how knowing the stories of our ancestors can make a difference in our lives today. Discovering our family history is more than a hobby. It is a way to connect deeply with ourselves, those we love, and the world around us. When you research your family tree, Do you take time to consider how your ancestors' lives were directly influenced by their siblings and other family members? In today's episode, you'll hear an excellent example of how siblings influence the lives of each other. Chris's grandfather probably wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for the actions of his brother. You'll hear him explain how the situations of his great-great-uncle helped Chris's great-grandfather get out of Austria in 1938 and totally changed the trajectory of their family. Here is the interview with Chris. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining me on my podcast today. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself? I'm from California, just north of San Francisco, and I have a hardwood flooring business, and I've been doing that for years. Genealogy-wise, I wasn't something I was into in particular, but I've always been interested in a lot of different things, so it kind of came natural to me to want to be into it, and it's interesting, so. Yeah. So what is your story of how you became interested in learning your family history? I'd say it really started when my grandpa, he wrote an autobiography, and I read it like a little bit after he died in 2006. And the story of how the family got out of Austria was just amazing to me. Really just made an impression on me, honestly. I never really talked to my grandpa at all growing up. You know, obviously I knew him, but I didn't, you know, I never got any stories from him about anything. But um, he wrote his entire life down, like literally by hand. And my, his uh, niece put it into, you know, typing so we couldn't read it because his handwriting wasn't very good. So I went through and just started reading all of it. So I had like, in terms of like going back, I I knew quite a bit from what he had written, you know, like the people and then obviously getting on different, you know, ways of finding people beyond. I found a lot more people going back further, which was interesting too. But this story is what really got me interested in. I couldn't believe it. It happened to my family, honestly, because like, it's very fortunate a lot of the events that happened in the event of my grandpa's life and in particular his uncle. Well, I'd love for you to share that story if you would with us. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a book about it, so it's going to be, you can read everything that I've found. But the, ma- the main part is, you know, my grandpa, his uncle was this guy named Paul Paddock. And he he had an ability to work with all kinds of things. He was very artistic. So he made all kinds of stuff in his lifetime, including a bunch of people, apparently. He was a metal worker, which is the main reason why he ends up getting the opportunity that he capitalized on in uh, 1938 when the Nazis came into Austria and took it. And he got shown an ad in some Jewish newspaper. A guy named Carl Rosenberg in Japan had, they were looking for a drop forge engineer. And Paul Paddock, my grandpa's uncle, 
knew how to do that because after the war, you know, before World War One, he had just graduated in uh, some mechanical school and got a degree as a you know engineer. And then he basically, right after the war, he survived. He was in the war for like you know three or whatever years in Italy, and then he gets out of the out, you know gets a job in some train factory in Wiener Neustadt and works there for five six years or something. I don't know exactly how long, but with that knowledge is how he you know saw this ad and applied for the job, got the job in Japan and took off. And went to Japan and got there in like uh, September of 38. And then my grandpa ended up getting over there too, because Paul, right before he left, he ended up winning the lottery, winning a whole bunch of money and, you know, had the, the ability to get it cashed because they probably wouldn't have given it to him being Jewish, I'm sure. So he didn't really have any time, apparently, because it was right towards the end of him leaving. And he handed it off to his boyfriend, this guy Carl von Hossinger. And Carl walked into the lottery house and cashed the ticket, took the money and put it into a bank somewhere, I'm sure, and used the money to buy all the passages for my grandpa and his brother first to go in the beginning of 1939, like January, they leave Italy, finally. It's a big, long story about finally getting to the boat, which is very interesting. And then they go from there to Shanghai on like the basic passage with a whole bunch of other fleeing Jewish people. They're like kind of the beginning of that fleeing period of Jewish people going to Shanghai. So they get to Shanghai and it wasn't like massive amount of refugees there, but there were a good amount. And they saw that whole, you know, refugee acceptance, you know, the people coming in and going and they stayed there for a couple of weeks and my grand they ended up be meeting this financier of a rockefeller funded medical school he's like a um, trustee he's he worked in the united states and he gets on the boat when they're in bombay i think and you know when they're in shanghai they send a letter off to this medical school in peking and my grandpa ends up going to the first letter is like a denial letter and then my uncle or my grandpa's brother yeah, it was like my great uncle ends up, you know, saying, Hey, let's reconsider. And they reconsider. And then there's like a different person at the second meeting, some Austrian like, um, doctor that knew the situation really well and knew the doc, knew the, the school. My grandpa was like four exams away from getting his medical degree from the University of Vienna. So he knew that he wasn't in some just average school over there. So he got ends up getting into the school so that they'd send that letter when they're in Shanghai, the first one. And then from there, they take like a, a first class uh, passage because Paul wants them to get accepted very nicely in Japan because they're showing up without visas. So it's, it's a crazy story. It's like, and so, you know, obviously that was just like oh, insane. So I started looking at all kinds of stuff and I found a bunch of other neat things about, you know, other parts of my family and whatnot too. But, you know, that was a huge thing. So what did it mean for you to discover that story and all those intricacies of getting your family where they needed to be? I mean, it was shocking. It still is shocking. I've known it for since 2006, obviously. And then like I reread it in 2020 and I had a bunch of time on my hands like everyone. And 
And that just really took over my life. And I was like, I got to write a book about Paul because Paul's like the main character. Like, honestly, like my entire family doesn't exist without this guy, Paul Paddock. That one, you know, it wasn't, he's not my descendant in any way, but, but he's, he, without him, there's, there's no way because my family ends up and my grandma ends up in Peking because she takes the Trans-Siberian Railroad because her father was like a diplomat in the German government and knew some people over in Peking. So she ends up in Peking, you know, because she wants to get out of Europe. She's like 17. She had polio in her hands really, you know, it was really obvious. So she wanted out of Germany in the whole situation. She was a German national, but they were in Switzerland when, when she fled. So she jumps on the Trans-Siberian Railroad and that's where my grandparents, I mean, my grandpa doesn't end up in Japan, let alone Pete King without Paul Paddock. Mm-hmm. It's like Paul didn't plan it. It's not like he's like, oh, let's do this. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just amazing to me. Obviously, I'm. you read about really horrible times and whatnot. And there's one family member that stays behind. I won't say anything because if you read the book, he'll find out what happens to him. But he stays behind, doesn't accept Paul's help. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I when uh, I encourage people to do is not just research their direct line ancestors, because those siblings or other relatives of your ancestors had a direct influence on their lives. And this story is a very dramatic example of how those siblings of your ancestors really did affect your ancestors. Yeah, I mean. It became very obvious. I mean, the first time I read it, it stuck out obvious. It's like, wow, this guy, this guy's amazing. You know, this guy's cool. But, you know, my grandpa lived this amazing life too. It was just dumbfounded by too. And I was just, the whole thing was, but yeah, I know it's, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I don't have any kids and I got, you know, nieces and nephews and it's, it's definitely, it's an interesting thing because I have a lot of freedom and I can see that Paul had a lot of freedom in his lifetime to do whatever he wanted to. Luckily he played the lottery too, because without that, you know and it's like the way he lived his life was so i don't know it's like it's hard to say perfect for anything it's not really a good way to describe anything but you know it's like he's a protagonist without a fault like the only fault that he has it's one that you're gonna put on him you're gonna be like oh i'm I'm anti-semitic or i'm homophobic so i don't like this guy but other than that it's like he cooked he played the piano he played the cello he loved dogs he was a total goofball apparently and it's like, he just, he was really good at making things that can like envision things. It really made, did make me understand my, my family a lot more in a lot of ways. Cause my, my dad's a very, very gifted woodworker, like kind of like savant like in a way. And I could see it. like when I was looking at the family and like seeing like, Oh, look at this guy. Like he just, like he just very much could make anything and like they t- you know they write about how his dad was making all these intricate little boxes for shipping and whatnot and that would totally be something that you know might hold my dad's side of the family all and would be very good at it you know mm-hmm. yeah that's neat as you learn about different ancestors that you can see those traits or those characteristics that um yeah they're are really strong in the family yeah, it's interesting because I don't think you notice it like when you're just stumbling around in life with your family and like what you're really actually super good at. But there's something, like, you know, everyone's like really like gifted at in a way. I don't know. It's it's interesting. It was shocking. I mean, that's definitely the word. And it was all kind of right there for me to find. It was a bunch of stuff I'd found through like looking in 
records that are in Vienna and stored in like the Holocaust Museum. Because this guy, you know, it's like getting this, there was a cable in Harbin, you know, like Manchuko at the time, whatever, Manchuria now or China, I don't know what it's like. And it's that whole area. And, you know, there's all these cables that went back and forth and they're all recorded and like they got archived and, you know, like the originals, I guess, are in Jerusalem and then the Holocaust Museum in D.C., you know, and I'd, they'd microfeast it and you can get it if you can like say, yeah, this is my family, which is cool. It's yeah. Good that they do that. It's really cool. All that stuff is out there. And it's like, we live in this time where if you get curious, you can have a lot of fun going a little nuts, which is good. Yeah. There's so much online and then there's so much also that are in archives, like you mentioned, that you can write to an archive in the area in which your family lived and make connections with somebody that can get you those access to those records that aren't digitized yet or aren't online. So mm. there's there's so much available and we don't have to wait months to write a hand letter to someone and hope they write us back. Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious to see what other stuff I end up finding because I'm like publishing a book on this guy and it's like obviously everything's set this exact time and date and everything i found it all out from not not going anywhere so if i go somewhere i'm gonna find something else i'm mm-hmm. sure something's gonna happen i highly recommend looking into your past have the time and interest i feel very fortunate that the figures that i found in my past were people that i'm like wow like these are really interesting people and they dealt with some just crazy historical stuff you know like anyone born in that time you know like before the turn of the century lived in a insane life particularly if you're in the central europe and that's where my entire dad's side of the family was you know like both my grandparents were immigrants like i knew that they had met in china that was pretty much it, it was kind of all i knew about the family they met in china and my grandma was german grandpa was austrian and you know they're very different they got divorced like right when i was born they both spoke chinese my grandma better than my grandpa i think it's a very common thing to kind of not talk a lot in families but you really see it when all of a sudden you're like, hey, it's a huge story that affected our family that like, I'm so, so thankful that my grandpa wrote it down the way he did and got his brother to write things down and like got his, like he did a lot in terms of having the story get to where it is. Yeah. Especially if he didn't talk about it much, but he still thought it was important enough to write it down that he did want it to be remembered. Yeah. I mean, in, in both of their essays, actually, they both in their own ways say that, like, I don't really know what I'm doing this for, but I feel like somebody, I feel like I, we shouldn't write about this man, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And they both had their reasons for not necessarily wanting to do it, but they both did it, both Kurt and, and Rudy, my grandpa Rudy. So it was something that they knew that he had done. You know, they helped him out financially in his life and towards the end and they felt indebted to him obviously and i don't and, and he was very a lot of pride about that apparently didn't want to which is it's so interesting i mean the man was just like he's just tailor written to be like he oozes stories because apparently he wrote short stories too and all this stuff too so just like what did he write you know and i'm sure there was a bunch of stuff in his flat that ended up somewhere who knows but he ended up getting cheated out of the apartment apparently at the end. What are the benefits that you felt that you've had by learning in that story and learning the stories of of your ancestors other than just the the interest factor, but what has it done for you personally 
to really get to know those people? I mean, I would say I really felt like I got to know my grandpa in a different way. I was almost ashamed of the way that we were around him as a family a little bit because I was almost like, we used to tease grandpa all the time, but he was the coolest. Like, you guys realize all this stuff that he did and how cool his uncle was. and Like, like he should have been telling us campfire stories if we could have. But that's not how the way time ever plays out in a lot of things. And then, you know, with Paul, it was like, I really had no way to feel connected to him and, and other than like the story and then like pictures. So anyways, yeah, I mean, I don't know with Paula was, you know, it was like getting to know a, this ghost or something in a weird way. I went and bought a cello and I don't, you know, know how to play cello at all, but I just wanted to like make the sounds that he was, you know, and kind of like get to know how he was in the positions. And I remember, you know, like my grandpa really wanted me to play cello when I was a kid and it all makes sense more when I understood the story and more like how my grandpa was with us. Cause he was, you know, he was really supportive, but he was just kind of off to the side. He, you know, he wanted us to go to school and he, you know, it was very important to him, and, but he wasn't super pushy about anything. So it, it really is interesting because you start to really realize like, like there's two huge people in my family. I was born right between both of them dying. My grandma's father, who was a diplomat and he married a Jewish woman. He has a very interesting life too that I would like to write about. He ends up like in Switzerland working with the World Council of Churches and Dietrich Bonhoeffer and like all these different big theologians and he died in January in the year I was born and then Paul Paddock died the next year in March after I was born and I had no idea you know honestly for a long time how important these people were you know I knew about my grandma's father more than than Paul in any way obviously you know because I knew who he was and Members of the family had pictures of him and talked about him and stuff. But Paul was just popped out of my grandpa's book as this uncle that somehow pulled off escaping the Nazis and then bringing the family to Japan and like just lives this amazing life. He ends up going back to Austria. I don't know. For me, it's definitely the stories that got me interested in it, obviously. I, I really like the whole process of genealogy, though, just sitting there trying to find stuff and finding it, putting it all together and you know, it's really, really fun in the beginning. And then you start to kind of run into, you know, walls that like obviously get frustrating. But, you know, I had this kind of really rich, like I could get to know the people if I wanted to. My grandpa made it possible. And then you find stuff out there that's just kind of laying there, honestly, on the internet. You don't really realize it, that it's, it's connected to your family in a certain way until you connect the dots and you're like, oh, this publication wrote about my relative or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's amazing what you can come across with technology. Because you think about it, your great-grandfather, they had opportunity to interact with so many other people that you don't even realize, I mean, descendants-wise or just outward, that they made an impact and other people recognize that outside your family too sometimes. Yeah, no, exactly. They were living a life and they had contemporaries and they were doing their own thing. That's weird. History falls in this like... It's almost like a number of a million. It's like it doesn't make sense anymore. It's like it's in the past. Though. But then if we start to like just think about what the present's like, like how it takes weeks for things to play out a lot of times, years even, can you really see how families become connected more and more through children being born and what that means to the family? You know, there were only three kids in the family, which is pretty small for that time. 
And then there was only two from Paul Paddock and his sister. So that was really small for that time. That was the generation before, you know. So was, they were a pretty small family, but, you know, just trying to do their thing. They were part of the assimilated Jewish population. My grandpa really identified with the religious aspect of anything, really, actually. When I read all of his writings, he was, like, curious about any religion he got close to. It's just funny. Honestly, I feel like there's a lot of stuff in personal family archives that younger people don't know about too because like once i started really getting into it my mom was really good at keeping stuff which is great you know i was like oh here you go and then i knew that i had some relatives over in berkeley i just never got to know them the families didn't talk much so then i reached out and she was over in oakland and she had a bunch of boxes of family stuff and they had just all kinds of stuff in there so you know i was surprised to find as much as i did obviously you just never know when you just start asking around what people may have. I mean, everyone's interested in me when like important discoveries happen, like especially within the family, everyone's just like, wow. Sometimes you feel like you're pestering people with them. I do feel like that occasionally, but for the most part, everyone's pretty thankful that I'm not so interested in it. Yeah. Can you tell me about your book that you wrote about him? Are you, is it still the process or are you finished? Yeah, it's, they're formatting it right now and then hopefully pre-order on the 25th of March and then be able to actually order it on the 25th of May, which would have been Paul Paddock's 130th birthday, apparently. Oh. And that was, you know, another really weird thing about the whole thing is that I didn't even didn't realize it until, I don't know when, but at a certain point I realized that like I was the same exact age as Paul Paddock was. When I was writing this book about him and having it all happen, I was the same exact age as Paul was when he was like getting the job in Japan and like going over to Japan. Yeah, it is interesting when you think about, okay, at my age now, this ancestor was doing this. Exactly. It shifts your perspective over what they were accomplishing. Yeah. And with Paul, it's like I was writing about these times that was like, here come the Nazis. And I mean, it's terrifying, honestly, when I think about it. Like I've always felt pretty jumpy a lot of my life, like something's coming to get me. You know, my dad's had this very deep kind of weird attraction, kind of despise of war and whatnot. Like it kind of runs through a lot of his childhood stuff. And even now, and it all makes sense because this just came right to the doorstep of their parents. And like really, really to their grandparents, just destroyed their whole families as they were, you know, they were the kids of the family. I I really realized I was part of a really lucky few people that got out and then got out in a really just extremely interesting way too, but just that they got out, you know? So I wanted a book about Paul, like mostly for the family, but I knew that it is a story that it's got this really intense appeal to connecting the world. I don't know what it is. There's just something about the way that Paul lived his life that you're just like, hmm, this man seemed to understand everything. He just knew how to live life on a lot about those times. Thank you so much for sharing your story about your family. What is the name of your book and where can people find it when it comes up available for being ordered? It's called An Ordinary Man. The subtitle is From Vienna to Japan and Back during World War II. Okay. Well, thank you again. Yeah, you're welcome. It's so much fun. 
Thank you for joining me today for Stories in Our Roots. Please help this podcast grow by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with your friends. If you have feedback or would like to recommend someone to share their story, head to storiesinourroots.com and fill out the form. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to being with you again next week.